Hey everyone, I'm Lucas Prado, Sanctus Pickering Pastor, and you're listening to the Sanctus Church Podcast. Our mission here at Sanctus is to glorify God by enabling people of all ages to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I hope you're really excited to the message today. Hey, Sanctus Church, good morning. So glad that you are joining us and welcome to this amazing day where we're celebrating baptisms. Let me start with my baptism story. I was baptized, I think, grade eight, and uh, I will never forget it. It was in a smaller church actually in Toronto, the east side of Toronto, a place called Scarborough Parkway Bible Church. I was really excited to get baptized. I, I had considered it during my junior high years, and near the end I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get baptized. And what I didn't know is that the heater had broken uh, in the baptism tank. So we used to have one of those big built-in baptism tanks. And it was freezing. I mean, freezing cold water. So cold that the senior pastor wore uh, fishing waders under his robe, but the youth pastor didn't. So a guy named Colin, who was my youth pastor, he baptized me. And I remember getting in the tank and looking down, and the water was so cold, his legs were like blue, like blue, blue. And I howled. I couldn't believe it. And then I got in, and I was like holding my breath, and wow, this is terribly cold. And I just remember uh, declaring Jesus as my Savior and my Lord and owning uh, this as my personal faith. I had already met Jesus years ago, actually, when I was three years old. I had a pretty profound, simple en- encounter between me and Jesus. But um, I-, I got baptized. I went into that, plunged, plunged into that cold water and came up. And it was me publicly declaring before family and friends who I believed in. Now, today we're going to talk through what is baptism and what it's not and what it means and what it doesn't and what do we do with all of this. And I know some of you have heard variations of this. Some of you come from different church traditions. Some of you come from another faith and you have no clue at all. So this is important that all of us listen carefully. So number one, according to the Bible, God clearly intends followers of Jesus to get water baptized as a step of obedience shortly after believing in Jesus. Baptism is part of the mission of the church. It's actually not suggested, it's commanded by Jesus. All believers, as they have opportunity, are called to undergo water baptism. These are basically the last words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven, Matthew 28. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, that's all ethnogroups, people groups, and then baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you. And Jesus says, and surely I'm with you always till the very end of the age. So this is sort of at the epicenter of our movement. So let's walk through some of these questions. What is the meaning of baptism? What does baptism accomplish? Who should get baptized? Is there a proper form of baptism? All that stuff. So let's start here. Let's just start with the word. The word baptism, the original word, at least in the Greek language, means to plunge someone, to dip someone, to immerse someone, to pass under or to emerge from something. You might want to say in our vernacular, it's to dunk someone. Now, the pattern in the New Testament, time and time again, is not sprinkling, it's full immersion, going right into water. You see this with John's baptism. You also see this all through the book of Acts. Even Jesus' own baptism, Mark 1.10, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and a spirit uh, and the spirit descending on him like a dove. So he's in the water fully and he's emerging out of it. Or in Acts 8, when God begins to establish 
the amazing church in Ethiopia that still exists to, to, to this day traces its roots right back to this moment, Acts 8.36. This is Philip. As they traveled along, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So baptism is this fully immersive experience. So then the next question we should all ask is, well, okay, what does baptism mean? So Christian baptism is a way of demonstrating your faith that you already have in Jesus Christ. It demonstrates a new identification with Jesus as Savior, Leader, and Lord. The symbol of water baptism, it's multifaceted, it's profound, it's beautiful. When a, when a person is immersed in water, the action is an expression, first of all, of death to our former way of life. You might have uh, believed in another God. You might have followed another religion. You might have trusted in yourself. You may have been atheistic or agnostic or you, you were a follower of Islam or Buddhism or you were a follower. You fill in all the blanks and you're saying, actually, my old way of life has died. My former way of life, self-trust, self-sufficiency, religion, it's died. And now I am resurrected. I'm being brought into a new life that's rooted in Jesus. Now, the book of Acts, which, by the way, is an amazing book, tells the story of the growth and expansion of the early church for the first three decades, 30 years. Over and over again, we see this. New believers, those who believe in Jesus, men, women, kids, Jews, Greeks, Romans, non-Romans, slave, rich, poor, uh, free, they respond to the good news about Jesus in very similar ways. Here's the first thing that happens. Every single time someone embraces Jesus, there's repentance for sin. There is sorrow. There's an admission that we've broken God's heart and God's law. And actually, we're just saying, yeah, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn my life around to God through Jesus. So there's repentance. And the second thing, then, there's belief. Trust in the person and work of Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sins based on his life, based on his physical death, and based on his physical resurrection. This belief, what we call faith, is rooted in the person and work of Jesus. The early church was very clear about this. Jesus himself was clear about this. There is no other way to access God. There is no other way to get salvation except through Jesus because Jesus is the only one that's accomplished everything needed to do it for us. Jesus himself said this in John 14, 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. Not one way, the way. Not a life, the life. Not one version of truth, the truth. Later in one of the very first Christian sermons Peter's preaching, he says basically the same thing in Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in nobody else. There's no other name given under heaven and given to humanity by which we must be saved. So you first of all got, you got repentance and then you got belief. And then after that, you have this act of baptism in water. In the very, very first Christian sermon in history, we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 37. When the people heard Peter preaching, they heard this, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Notice, Peter replied, Repent okay, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are very far off. Another way of saying those who are not Jews. For all whom the Lord our God will call. 
And with many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Now, verse 41, critical. Everyone ready? Those who accepted his message were baptized. 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, this is critical, so you don't misunderstand baptism. After they believed. In other words, after they repented, after they said yes to Jesus, after they had said, I trust in Jesus' work alone, then they're baptized. Baptism is an outward symbol of an already existing commitment or inward work. In other words, baptism doesn't make you Christian. Baptism is the public identification you've already become a Christian. You don't, baptism is not some key that gets you into heaven. Oh, you've been baptized. No, 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 no. Remember, if you know the story, the thief on the cross where Jesus lay dying, he was never baptized and Jesus said to him, today I will see you in paradise. So, okay, what does baptism symbolize then? Well, here's the first amazing thing. Baptism symbolizes being clean, washed clean, like you're really muddy, you've got all this garbage all over you, and you go have a really amazing hot shower and get all cleaned off. That's what's happening to us spiritually. Here's how Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 6.11. And that's what some of you used to be after he lists all this sin. But you were washed and you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so when someone's baptized, it's a public symbol that they have already been washed. Number two, it's a public way of identifying and confessing Jesus' literal death and Jesus' literal resurrection. Here's how Paul puts it in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sitting so grace may increase? By no means. For we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know, all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death and therefore buried with him through baptism into death that in order, just as Jesus was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Okay, this is really profound. Baptism reminds Christians that sin no longer actually owns us, since we have Jesus' physical resurrection in our life, his power, we actually have the ability to say no to sin. Before Jesus, we couldn't. Also, when someone is baptized, it is a public communal agreement and a personal agreement that the person getting baptized in the community actually believes that Jesus really died, really lived, really died, and really came back from the dead, and also as a reminder that because I've trusted or we've trusted in Jesus, we will also at the end of time physically, not just spiritually like a ghost, physically rise from the dead. I've said this for years. Some of you are going to roll your eyes, but it's important. I've done this. This is my wedding ring. I know it looks like a Lord of the Rings ring. It's, it's my wedding ring. Now, if I lose this ring, I'm going to be in real trouble with Joanna. I might need resurrection after a, a, an untimely death. But this doesn't make me married. If I lost this ring, I remain married. I'm already committed to Joanna. Joanna's committed to me. We're both off the market. We are connected to each other and committed to each other. But this is the public outward demonstration of the inward vows and commitments that the relationship is there. So baptism is like a wedding ring. It's the public demonstration that I'm, that I'm in, that I'm married. Now, 
Some of you who are Christians and you still have not been baptized. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But again, if you got married and you walked down an aisle, if you were in a church context, and you got up and you were in front of your future husband or future wife and you're standing there and you get to the vows and you're like, yeah, I just don't want to put on the ring. I think everyone would be like, whoa. It definitely would be on YouTube and TikTok real quick. But I think everyone would be like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why wouldn't you want to put on the ring? We've got them right here. Well, I just don't really think I need it. See, that already shows something's a little off. This is a public demonstration of the person you love the most. So it's a symbol of being washed. It's a symbol of resurrection. It's a symbol of covenant. It's a symbol of vow. It's a symbol of commitment. Now let's talk about what baptism doesn't accomplish. Simply going through the ritual of baptism doesn't make you a Christian. Only one thing makes someone a Christian. Faith personal faith in Jesus Christ. Water baptism is simply an outward and visible sign of God's inward, invisible work. It's a step of obedience after you've trusted in Jesus. Again, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, so important. For it is by grace, undeserved mercy, that you get saved through faith, belief in who? In Jesus and his work. It's not from yourself. It's always a gift of God not done by works. Baptism is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a God-commanded thing. Jesus instructs us, but it's still a work. No one gets to boast. So baptism doesn't make you a Christian. Baptism happens after you are a Christian. Now, by the way, here's the other thing. Baptism also doesn't like zap you. And you're like, oh my goodness, suddenly I'm a super saint and I'm so spiritually mature. Baptism is a step of obedience. And it's one step of many steps as you follow after Jesus. Spiritual maturity, following Jesus, just like a good relationship or a great friendship, takes time and development. But this is just one leg of the journey, but it's important. Now, some of you who have a little bit more church background have a few different questions. I want to address them. Some of you are like, well, John, okay, I understand water baptism, but what's up with spirit baptism? So here's this really profound verse in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as a human body, though one has many parts, and all of its many parts form the one body, so it is with Christ, so it is with Jesus. For we, now notice the phrase, all Christians, for we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or non-Jews, slave or free, we are all given the one spirit to drink. Now, here's what's important. Every single Christian, when they accept Jesus' work, whether they're 3, 5, 20, 50, 70, 80, 98... At that moment, they are given spirit baptism. Spirit baptism is not something you pray for after you're saved. It's not like connected to tongues or... No, no. Spirit baptism is what happens when you say yes to Jesus. Because right when you say yes to Jesus, it says in the book of Romans, he places his spirit into our hearts. In other words, here's the image. Right when someone becomes a Christian, you're plunged into Jesus' spirit and he takes up residence in you. Remember we just read a few minutes ago out of Matthew? Jesus has this incredible promise, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How is he with me to the very end of the age? He's physically not here. Oh, because his spirit lives in me. Every single Christian is baptized in the spirit at conversion, and the Holy Spirit unites the global church all together. Now some are like, okay, well, what about John 3, 5? Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And they're talking about being, you know, saved. And Jesus says to this world-class Jewish thinker, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water 
and of the Spirit. So some churches teach you have to be baptized in water and baptized in the Spirit, then you're saved. No, see, (laughs) they miss what's being done here. In, In pharisaical, so in Jewish thinking, the phrase born of water was either connected to semen with the idea of a sperm and an egg meeting, right, and creating life, or it's connected to what all of us have been through. We all were in someone's womb, and their water broke, and then we were born. What this is saying is everyone's physically born, but if you want to be born again, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you must then be born of the Spirit. You must be baptized in the Spirit. You must accept the one who gives the Spirit, that's Jesus. This born of water is physical birth, and then born of the Spirit is conversion. Now, a lot of you come from maybe some traditions where you were baptized as a baby. So maybe you have a Presbyterian or an Anglican or a Catholic background, and maybe some of you have no history with the church at all, but you sort of get that. So let's talk about this. What if I was baptized as an infant, but it wasn't my choice, or my parents did it, but they weren't Christians, and I got baptized as a baby? Like, what do I do with all that? Okay, I want to slow down, and I want to explain to the whole church what this means. The first idea of why churches baptize babies is connected to the Jewish faith. Remember, the Christian faith is Judaism fulfilled. And it's connected to something that some of you are going to be like, I don't really want to talk about this today, circumcision. Now, in the Old Testament, God instructed the Jews on the eighth day that every single Jewish boy was to be circumcised as a physical sign that they belonged to the Jewish faith and the Jewish people. So the idea is this. In the New Testament, if the outward sign of entrance into God's family is baptism, and the Old Testament sign was circumcision, then of course they're basically the same thing. So it follows that baptism should be given to children by Christian parents, just like Jewish parents had their children circumcised. To deny them this is to deny them the privilege and benefits, right, of belonging to God's community, God's covenantal community. So it's like parents... Let me put it like this. When a mom and dad or a mom or a dad have their baby baptized, it's, and they're Christians, it's like they are putting their walk with Jesus, their faith, over their child, and their faith covers them and allows them entrance. Now later, if you know about this, uh, usually around 13, you're supposed to do something else. You're supposed to get confirmed. Usually a teenager will say, okay, uh, I'm now more grown up, and I thought about this, and yes, I was baptized as a baby, but now I want to publicly confirm to the community, it's not just mom or dad's faith or my grandparents' faith, it's my faith, and it becomes their own. So it's a two-step part, baptize the baby, then confirmation. Now, let me just walk this through. Yes, it's true that baptism and circumcision are similar, but there are huge differences. In the Old Testament, the sign was only physical, was an external means of entrance. One became a Jew by being born of Jewish parents. Therefore, all Jewish males were circumcised. Circumcision was not restricted to people that had a genuine inward spiritual life but rather just those who belong to the Jewish community. There were many, many people among the Jews that though they were ethnically Jewish and even circumcised, they didn't really follow the true living God. In the New Testament, to meet God through Jesus, you need to have a personal relationship. Even Paul wrote this when he was wrestling through this in Romans, and he was talking to the Jewish community that had embraced Jesus as the Messiah. And he said these really, really 
offensive and clarifying words in, uh, in Romans 2, 28. A person is not a Jew who is only... Is a person is not a Jew who is, is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew. Uh, no, a person is a Jew who is is one inwardly, and circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the Spirit. In other words, yeah, you might have all the ethnic stuff or family stuff, but if you don't truly know the true living God, your circumcision counts for nothing. So you got to be really careful to go one equals the other. Some other people say, well, there are moments where God moves so powerfully, whole families just got saved and they all got baptized at once. We read this in Acts 16. Uh, uh, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer of purple, uh, purple cloth in the city of Thyatira. She was a really wealthy businesswoman. She worked for like Gucci or Burberry in our language. She's a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. And so people say, well, the whole baptized, the whole family was baptized. But as an argument from silence, we don't see that there are kids there. So here's the question. What do I do if I was baptized as a child? Well, number one, those who baptized you had to be genuine Christians. If they weren't even Christians, it, it isn't even real. Second of all, according to that system, you also have to go through confirmation. If you didn't do confirmation, you have not affirmed it personally and publicly. So if mom and dad weren't Christians or you didn't do confirmation, actually, you are called into immersive baptism. You are called to get baptized again because actually that wasn't what it really was. You still need to work that through. Some of you still need to embrace Jesus. Now, can it be valid? Well, it's not the most biblical, functional way, I would say. But yes, of course it can. If, you, if your mom and dad genuinely baptized you as an infant, and at 13 or 14 or 19, you got up and said, yes, I really believe Jesus died and rose again, and I've given my life to him, and I affirm that, I wouldn't say it follows the ultimate biblical pattern, but out of, as a matter of conscience, would we say in this church it's valid? Of course of course we would say that's true. Now, some of you might say, actually, I still think I need to be baptized again because it didn't follow the full biblical pattern. That becomes a matter of conscience. Some of you are like, well, <laughs> I wasn't fully immersed. I, I, I became a Christian later. I wasn't a baby, but I was sprinkled. So does that count? Of course it counts. Full immersion is the biblical pattern, but of course what it symbolizes is more important. I have friends who work in certain nations where water is so precious, if they baptize people in full immersion, then people would die because there wouldn't be enough water, so they, they baptize with sand. Some of you are like, well, what, what if I don't feel ready, or it's been years since I've become a Christian? Just obey. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let embarrassment stop you. Don't let pride stop you. Some of you have not just been baptized because a friend or a pastor said, you have to, and you're like, don't tell me what to do. Well, it's actually not them. It's the one that you've given your life to who is inviting you into joy, not just obedience. In other words, it doesn't matter if you don't feel ready because actually, just like the marriage symbol, you put on the wedding ring at the beginning, not when you know everything's okay. It's the beginning, so you just do it. And if it's been years, you just joyfully obey. Don't let embarrassment or pride stop you. We're here to celebrate this. Some of you are like, actually, John, I don't want to get baptized because my story isn't powerful enough. Well, not everyone has some epic story. See, I hear this all the time. People are like, well, I don't want to get baptized because I wasn't a former person in this other faith or I'm not a former drug dealer. I wasn't involved in this really dark, immoral lifestyle. You know, I just, I don't know, I just became a Christian. See, what we miss is that baptism is actually celebrating the work of Jesus. 
And actually, all of our stories are dark because we were all sinful, all spiritually dead, and all lost, and all owned by Satan, and he saved us. And whether you have an epic story or a very simple story, I have a simple story. I became a Christian at three years old when a Sunday school teacher told me about Jesus. I knelt at home with my mom and said yes to Jesus. That's my story. That is no less powerful than anyone else's story. The point is, it's not the power of our story, it's the power of his story. If you think that actually you have to have a powerful story, no, no, just get dunked. Well, some of you are like, um, I just don't know what to say. I, I, I don't even know if I want to fully speak. That's okay. The whole point simply is you get up and someone says, is Jesus your Savior, leader, and your Lord? You say, yes. Will you fall in the rest of your life? Yes, I will. Do you renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil? Yes. That's all you need to say. Now, Today, we've got, uh, I don't know, 15, 18, 20 baptisms across our sites. Well, I'm recording this. It's really exciting. And, and some of the sites might have some. Some of you might not have any today. So the question is, at, at every baptism, what should I do? Well, whether there's a baptism live or not today, every time you hear a sermon about baptism or every single time you see a baptism, there is something for us to do who already are baptized. This is like when I go and do weddings as a pastor and I'm up there and I'm watching a husband and wife give vows to each other. I also am reminded that I need to renew my vows to my wife. So every time you see a baptism, this should not just be like, oh, I didn't get to see a baptism. No, no, no. This is a vow renewal time. We should say, yes, I still confess Jesus as Savior. I still confess Jesus as Lord. You have the final say in ownership on my thinking, family, money, sexuality, relationships, dreams. You're still Lord, and I believe you died, and I believe you rose again, and I believe you're going to come back. Every time we see a baptism, we should be doing that. Now, if you are at a site today, or you're online and watching something and someone is being baptized, listen, we we always say this, and site pastors are going to lead you through this, but we always give standing ovations Because we are celebrating the most significant thing. This is so much more important than any sports event. This is so much more important than some epic concert. This is so much more important than anything else. Because this has eternal life connected to it. This ripples into eternity. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask, whether you're sitting at home or you're at a site, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And I'm going to ask you, if there is baptisms or not, just before you see them, we're going to take a moment of renewal. And say yes. And then some of you at the end of this need to go, you know what? After hearing that, I need to be baptized. And the very first thing you need to do is you need to literally get on social media and connect with us or connect with the church you're connected to. Or you need to reach out to your site pastor and say, you know what? I haven't been baptized and I've had excuses or I've had fears or I didn't understand. And truly, you need to go forward and say, I know there were baptisms, maybe today, but I need to be baptized. When can I do this? I need to do this as soon as possible. There, out of this moment, should be a huge wave of people saying, yes, I'm ready. But why don't you stand with me and let's just do this. Thank you, Father and Son, for sending the Spirit. Thank you, we've all been Spirit baptized, we who are in Christ. And at this moment, we who have been Spirit baptized and then obeyed water baptism, we renew our vows. We say, Jesus you are our Savior and our Lord. We say amen. Can you say amen? Can you also say, you know, I will continue to follow Jesus the rest of my life? Can you say amen? Uh, can you say, I still continue to renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil? Can you say amen? 
Lord, help us to fulfill our vows. Help us to continue to love Jesus like he loved us first. Thank you, God, for calling us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying and rising from the dead. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in our life. Thank you for this. And Lord, I pray as I'm speaking, whether someone's watching this at a site or watching online or watching this years later on just even on our website, that if they have not obeyed, today would be the day of joyful obedience and decision. And for those who are being baptized today, bless them, keep them, and move in great power. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we all said together, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at sanctuschurch.com. There you'll find ways to support our ministry in God's vision for this church. Last but not least, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to hit the subscribe button to be notified when another episode releases. Well, that's it for today. May God bless you very much and have an awesome week.